Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello, everybody. It is that time again. Time for a brand new episode of Just Pod Baby brought to you by SportsNot.com. Week four is on the way. The show is brought to you by SportsNot.com. You can follow me on X.com at egrote 5 Please do find me there. I encourage interaction with the listeners from the show. Uh, feel free to at me, DM me, whatever you need. You can, if you're looking for somebody to vent to about the Raiders, I'm available for you for that as well if you need it. Please subscribe to the podcast as well and do me a favor, check out the website dedicated to the show, justpodbaby.com. I also want to talk about something else that I'm really excited to announce here. I'm sure you saw it uh, on on x.com if you follow me, but Scott Gilbranson and myself, now you know Scott, most of you know who Scott Gilbranson is. He's the host of the Odyssey podcast, uh, Silver and Black Today, along with Mo Moten. Uh, Scott and I are teaming up to host our own podcast. Sports Not has launched a new NFL podcast this week. The title of that podcast is the NFL Playbook Podcast. And uh, again, we released our first episode this week. The format for that show, just so you can kind of get a preview of what we're going to be doing, we go around the league. This is not just a um, you know, specific one team show. We're going to talk about all the teams, all the storylines, the big headlines, big games that may be going on that week. Um, we're going to have guests on different writers from different, uh, teams, different personalities. And so I- I'm really excited about this project. Uh, we had a really good first episode this past week where we kind of highlighted the, the game of the week, which was Miami Dolphins heading over to Buffalo this week. We had, uh, one of the writers on from the Sun Sentinel who covers the Dolphins, Chris Perkins, was a really, really great interview. So I encourage you guys to go out there and and check it out. I do not believe that it's yet. I don't believe it's on the a lot of the big podcasting platforms yet. We're still waiting for approval uh, from that. But you could you can find it. I believe it's up at the Sports Not uh, YouTube channel. Uh, if you don't see it there yet. Go on my Twitter at egrote five. You will see it there. I posted uh, links to the to the video. It's video and audio. So if you prefer to get your content through video, that's going to be available for you as well. But again, if you subscribe to this show and you like some of the work that I've done here, you know, please please come on over and, and take a look at the new show. I know it's not Raider specific, but a lot of you guys out there, I know you're just big fans of football as well. So so give us a shot and, and let me know what you think about that. Okay, now to get back to some Raiders football talk, we will discuss, briefly discuss, the Raiders uh, lost last week, 23-18 to the Steelers. Just another heartbreaking loss for this football team, and there's just been far too many of these types of games going back to last year. Of course, the big headline uh, after the game, uh, you know, something that has been discussed all week 
was was Josh McDaniel's decision to kick a field goal, right? Down eight points with just over two minutes left to go in the game on fourth and four from the Steelers' eight-yard line. Personally, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the decision that he made. I've heard his explanation. It's been, you know, discussed by many different people out there on the radio and national media got a hold of this one. I still do not believe it was a sound logic that led him to that decision. Um, and I think it came back to bite him in the end. We're going to, we're going to get into that a little bit. Josh McDaniels is going to be a major topic of the show this week. And I'll give you my opinion on that decision to go for it, to kick the field goal and why I believe Josh McDaniels time, his future, uh, in Las Vegas. I've changed my mind on that a little bit and we'll, we'll discuss that. Um, in segment two, uh, we will take a little, a little closer look at the Los Angeles chargers who are coming off the big win last week against the Vikings. That I think that saved their season. Um, we're going to chat with Chargers sideline reporter from the Chargers radio network, Shannon Farron. She's going to join us. There's a lot of things I want to go over with her. So that is the game plan uh, for the show this week. Let's let's get it kicked off like we do each and every week with some news and notes from the week. Um, we've been monitoring all week long the status of Jimmy Garoppolo. We know that he was put into the concussion protocol following the game last Sunday against the Steelers. Um, so we've been kind of waiting to see what his status would be. He did get a couple practices in this week, and it looks like he's going to go on Sunday. I know a lot of you guys were maybe hoping that we you'd get a chance to see Aiden O'Connell. I don't think that was going to be the case based on some of the reports that, well, some of the reports by some of the beat writers. I know Vic Tafer was pretty confident that it, it would have been Brian Hoyer if Garoppolo wasn't able to go. So it looks like, um, they, they dodged a bullet there. Garoppolo will get the start. It appears unless there's a setback of some sort. I do think he's still in the protocol. So there'll be some additional testing that he needs to pass in order to play, but he did, um, look good in practice from what I was, was hearing. Um, I don't want to make light of, uh, of a head injury. Those are obviously very serious things. Concussions not to be taken lightly at all. Uh, but I, I, you know, I can't help but think about what some of my reservations were when they decided to go out and sign Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and this is one of them, right? It was the, the, the injury history with Garoppolo. And so just three weeks into the year, you know, it, it was almost possible that he was going to miss a game, you know, in concussion protocol. And I know these concussions are, can be totally unavoidable. It, you know, if someone hits him illegally, which is what I, think happened in this case I'm not sure exactly what play the concussion occurred on uh you know there was that personal foul called on Minka Minka Fitzpatrick I I would have to believe that was the play but the fact of the matter is you know again week three weeks into the season and he's at risk of possibly missing a game he wasn't healthy completely during the week missed a practice and so whether or not he played this week or not uh, it's a reminder that he can get injured. He's very brittle. I mean, anybody can get injured, of course, but you know, this guy just has a track record of injury. So it didn't help me at all, you know, as far as um, easing my tensions with, with the possibility that he might not make it through a full uh, 17 games. Uh, the other piece of news this week that I wanted to share with you guys, actually, there's a couple things. Uh, the first one is, did you see, I saw this online, according, a lot of the writers were uh, posting this on social media. Did you see that according to Vivid Seats, 
the fan they do a fan forecast. Uh, 64-36 split right now in favor of the Raiders at SoFi Stadium this week. So it's going to be a a, a a large Raider presence. No surprise. We we know Raiders are well represented in in you know L.A. and um, I, I do want to add that because I know this is going around a lot, right? The Raiders' lack of home field advantage. I did I did see it was 60-40 split last week with Steelers. Um, in favor of the Steelers at Allegiant Stadium last week. So, you know, I, I know that's something that really irritates a lot of you out there. Um, and I think it's something that the coaches downplay. I mean, McDaniels was asked about that, in fact, having to use the silent count at home. I mean, that's that's not some, that's not ideal, right? Um, and, and I thought he gave a pretty vanilla answer, in, in, in my opinion. But what's he going to say? You know, what, what is he going to say at this point? We all know that it's it's less than desirable to have to, uh, you know, use a silent count, snap count at home, but it is what it is. And and you know, I, I think, I think that I've actually seen recently on social media a lot of people tweeting out, uh, you know, clips from other stadiums. For example, the Thursday night football game was at Lambeau Field, and there was a ton of Lions fans in the stands. And, and Green Bay is a franchise with a rich history, a very loyal fan base. And, you know, they were at home on Thursday night and you still had a very large contingent of Lions fans. So it does happen in other places. And I'm going to stand by my belief that I agree it's a problem for the Raiders right now, but I stand by my, my comments that this would be less of a problem if the Raiders weren't playing so bad over the last two years. If they were three and all right now, or two and two and one, or whatever it may be, and playing well, you would see a lot more enthusiasm around the team. But you know that's just not the case right now. A lot of people don't like the coach. A lot of people don't like the quarterback. Whatever it may be, okay. Uh, and and unfortunately for the Raiders right now, the majority of the time that they've been in Las Vegas, uh, they haven't been very good. So it's it's hard to get a real true feel. The one year that they did get into the playoffs, there twenty twenty one. You know, I don't remember hearing about this quite as much, to be honest, because I think it's, I, I think it's because the team was playing better, at least down the stretch, right? Um, so, you know, you tell me if you were at that final regular season game in 2021 against the Chargers, let me know. Was it a large Charger fan base there or, or did Raider Nation show up and, and show out? So if you were there, let me know. So that was headline number two. And then headline number three, and it's it's something that I've tried to avoid here the last couple of weeks, but we're going to mention it because it, it is it is significant news. Uh, it's Chandler Jones, and I'm, and I'm sure you all know that by now. Chandler Jones, we learned on Friday that late Thursday night, he, he was arrested. And I, I think this is what most of us assumed where this was headed, right? I mean, if you've been following any of the social media videos that he's been putting out, Again, really bizarre stuff, and it looked like he was just. I, I I've tried not to speculate what has been going on, but I'm I'm convinced now it's a it's a mental health uh, issue here with Chandler Jones. He was arrested um, on two counts of violating a temporary protection order uh, for domestic violence. I believe it was an ex girlfriend, something along those lines. So, um, I I did hear he was out on bail. I guess they set a bond, and and he is now out. So you, you hope that. This doesn't continue. You hope that, um, I, I know there's a court hearing. I think it's in December, if I'm not mistaken. And so just, just a, just a horrible ending to, uh, 
you know, what is becoming a, a tragic story here with Chandler Jones. We wish him nothing but the best. I don't know what um, options the Raiders have right now. Uh, I know he's on the non-football illness list. Uh, I, I again, I don't know enough about that uh, about that list to uh, even speak on it. What what their other options are? Can they cut him now that it's become a legal issue? I I don't know, but again, I, he he's not going to play another down for the Raiders, and so uh, you, you just hope that he can get his life together. I do want to transition now into something else, though. I mentioned at the top of the show that Josh McDaniels would be a major focus this week, and so I want to start with my thoughts. Um, I know I know this is a few days past. But um, I know it's something that's still bothering a lot of you. I want to get to my thoughts on the fourth and four play when he decided to kick the field goal instead of go for it to try to tie the game there uh, with a, with a two-point conversion if they did score the touchdown. I didn't like the call like many of you, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Here's some of my thoughts. I, I heard what he had to say after the game, and then the next day when he met with the media on Monday, his, he's kept saying he needed two scores uh, to win the game. And and yes, that is correct, Josh. You need two scores to win a game, but you have to tie the game first before you can win it. So, uh, you know, he wasn't wrong in those comments, but in that situation, you have to go for it there. And I'm going to tell you why. You go for it there because you are an offensive-minded head coach, right? You're considered to be one of the better play callers in the league. You, you have to go for it there because you have Devontae Adams, a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Also a great red zone threat, by the way. You have Hunter Renfro, who you're not utilizing right now, is a guy who can create separation. We've seen him do it so many times in the red zone. And you also go for it there because you have the fifth most cap space dedicated to your offense in the entire football, entire in the entire NFL. The fifth most cap space. Those are the reasons you go for it in that situation. You also go for it because, let's be honest, the Raiders have not had success here recently, right? And and you come in as a second-year head coach, you are trying to change the narrative. You are trying to build confidence in your team. And you want to try to get things turned around. That was an opportunity to create a winning culture right there. That wasn't a, a moment that could have spark something for this football team. You never know. It was a golden opportunity there to try to build something to get this season moving in a positive direction. And I think what McDaniels did there was was a terrible decision. Instead, he took the offense off the field, kicked the field goal, and left it in the hands of the defense. The side of the ball that lacks talent, that doesn't have all the high-priced players that the offense do, uh, does. And we saw how that played out. And I'm not trying to kill the defense because I feel like they were put in a very difficult situation there. And I know in hindsight, it's easy for me to sit here and second guess these types of things. It's easy for all of us to do it. But I don't think anyone would have criticized him for going for it on fourth and four from the eight yard line if they were stopped. I certainly would not. I wouldn't have criticized him for that. You're on the eight-yard line. You need eight points to tie the game. You just scored on your previous possession and converted on a two-point conversion. And if nothing else, you go for it there in fourth and four. And if you are stopped, then the Steelers take over on their own eight-yard line. 
And maybe that changes the play calling for them based on where they are on the football field. Because when they kicked the field goal, right, the Raiders, and they kicked off, the Steelers started that drive on the 35-yard line. That changes things. So it was a two-for-one situation. And he, he, he didn't see it that way. And the last thing I want to add is this. The Raiders' opponent this week is the Chargers, and we're going to discuss them a little bit here in segment number two. And their coach is Brandon Staley, and, he, and we all know, you know, he makes these crazy calls. He goes for it on fourth and one all the time. He did it again last week against the Vikings. Fourth and one, up four from his own 25-yard line, under two minutes to go in the game. I thought it was a terrible choice. I was watching that game live, in fact. I would have punted it. And you make the Vikings drive all the way down the length of the field to score a touchdown to beat you. Well, he went for it. They got stuffed, as you guys know. And uh, his defense bailed them out, luckily. Or else he may be looking for a new job right now if they started 0-3. Who knows? They were able to force that interception of Kirk Cousins. But I do want to give Brandon Staley credit for one thing. As crazy as I think it is for him to go for it in those situations, at least he has some conviction. At least he has the confidence in his offense to go for it in those scenarios. And I just think what you saw from Josh McDaniels was the complete opposite. There was no conviction there. He played he played too you know, he played it too safe, okay? I don't want to say scared because I never like it when people say, oh, the, the quarterback's scared or the coach is scared. I don't, nobody's scared, but you do play things safe. I will say that. But anyhow, I think it was a risk that was worth taking in, in the case of the Raiders on, on Sunday night. I, I felt it was something that he should have done. He should have went for it. I, I have not heard anyone who is out there in support of him. All I've heard... Again, I listen to a lot of national radio. I've heard nothing but criticism on that decision. And I think it's rightfully so that he's taken a lot of heat this week. And and I'll be honest, my, my view has changed. My opinion of Josh McDaniels is starting to turn, okay? I know a lot of you wanted him gone since last year. I've talked a lot about patience, seeing it through, And I know last year was a disappointment for many coming off the 2021 season when they went to the playoffs. I talked a lot about how I thought last year was going to be a year of transition and that there could be growing pains and that there could be a possible regression. I used that word a lot last year. We saw them lose so many close games in 2022. Blown leads. It wasn't pretty. And the coach was a major part of that, no doubt about it. I stayed consistent, though, that you need time. Any new regime needs time to implement their plan, create their culture. But I'm sorry, that is, that, that's starting to change for me. And if you listen to any of the comments by Devontae Adams uh, after the game, I think there could be some growing frustration going on in that locker room. And I know that Adams has kind of since walked those comments back, right? He's kind of downplaying it now. I'm not so sure I buy that. 
I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's been a lot of smoke with maybe him not being fully happy in Las Vegas. But the point I'm making here is when you lose the confidence of your leaders, your best players, that's hard to come back from. And so, well, while I've been preaching patience, if you lose the locker room, you can't keep that guy. You cannot keep that guy. And if this team continues to play the way they are, they're not winning football games and you're going to lose the locker room. It's going to, his message is going to fall on deaf ears. And if he loses the locker room, I think there needs to be a change. And so I know I've talked a lot about his, he, he he's going to be judged on the development of young players and all of that. And I, and I still stand by that, but there's a whole new factor that's involved here that I didn't see a couple weeks ago. And that was the potential that this thing could get real ugly real fast and he could lose the locker room. And that might be what's starting to happen. All right, I'm going to uh, finish up this segment with this. A little bit more about McDaniels here. He brought in Garoppolo to be his guy. He brought in Garoppolo to be that that quarterback after he decided to move on from Derek Carr. Garoppolo has looked terrible. He has thrown way too many interceptions. Defenses do not respect him. It's affecting the entire offense. Josh Jacobs has seen a higher percentage of eight-man boxes this year. I saw Ted Nguyen with The Athletic put out a, uh, a stat of the percentages of eight-man boxes Jacobs has seen this year versus last year. It's up about 8%, 9%, I believe. One of the other things, the rookie class, outside of a couple good plays by Jacorian Bennett, has done absolutely nothing. Tyree Wilson, nothing. Michael Mayer, Nothing. The other young guys, they're not even dressing for the games. I know it's only been three games. It's a long season. I understand that. I'm talking about where we're at currently in this season. Have you noticed any noticeable improvements from the second-year players? Because I have not. I have not. Have you noticed any considerable growth from other younger players that this current staff and front office inherited? I would say maybe Divine Diablo. I think he has played okay. He had a pretty good game last week. But I cannot point my finger to anybody else. Trayvon Merrick? I don't think so. We keep hearing about this emphasis. All training camp, in preseason, we heard about the emphasis. We're going to create more turnovers. We're going to get our hands on more balls. We heard about it all preseason. We kept, oh, they're picking off passes left and right in training camp. Yeah, they were picking off Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Have they yet to force the first turnover yet of the season? I don't think so. So all of these things that were emphasized and and having a draft class, your first draft class, full draft class, I'm just not seeing any signs. Things need to improve quickly or Josh McDaniels will continue to have his seat get warmer and warmer. Now, I put a poll out there on Twitter the other day. I've got the responses. I had over 900 people respond to that poll. The question was, will Josh McDaniels survive the year? And I know there's a lot of variables involved, so it wasn't, you know, but I wanted to get an idea of what Raider Nation's thinking. 
So I do have those results for you and let's get to them right now. Let me pull it up real quick. We had 58% of you say, no, Josh McDaniels would not make it through the entire season. And 42% of you said, yes, he would. And again, a lot of, there was a lot of comments that some of you left and I, I appreciate you guys for participating in the uh, poll. And I have to agree. I would say no at this point. If, if things continue to go the way they are, I don't see how he makes it through the season. All right, guys, that's segment one. I set the table for you, gave you some things to think about there. I'm going to step aside now and get to my break. Coming up here in segment number two, uh, we're going we're gonna to dive into the Chargers here. Uh, they didn't get off to the start that they were looking for. Brandon Staley, is his seat a little bit warmer as well? We're going to chat with Chargers sideline reporter Shannon Farron uh, when we come back. Still lots to do here on Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. Segment number two, Just Pod Baby, week four. Week four of the NFL season, the Raiders traveled to Los Angeles to take on the AFC West divisional opponent, the Los Angeles Chargers. And what we're going to do now, we're going to go right out to the phone line here. We're going to bring our guest in. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation. Let's welcome in Shannon Farron, who is the sideline reporter for the Chargers, uh, for the Chargers Radio Network. Shannon, we thank you for the time, and, and there's a lot I want to ask you. Uh, let's first start, though, with the, the update with some of these injuries. Joey Bosa dealing with a hamstring uh, and a toe. Austin Eckler with an ankle. Derwin James with a hamstring. Kenneth Murray with a groin. And it, and it sounds like there's some sort of illness that was making its way through the Chargers locker room this week. What kind of update can you give us uh, on the status of some of these players? looking at that as you mentioned uh bosa gerald everett the tight end that was so formidable last week in minnesota alohi gilman who came up with huge tackles last week as well of course german derwin james always a contributor flying around the field hitting everybody he can and Corey lindsley our center um with that illness that you spoke of none of those guys practiced today uh the injury report is extensive and then limited was uh, Rashawn Slater, of course, has been a huge presence on the O-line. Austin Eckler, it was nice to see him getting back out there, but he was limited as well. Eric Kendricks, uh, linebacker they brought in from Minnesota, has been out the past couple games. And then Dean Leonard, the secondary looking very thin as we head into this one facing Devontae. Wow, walking wounded over there in, in Los Angeles. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things progress here into Friday and then Saturday. Now, speaking of injuries, uh, Mike Williams was lost for the season last week with an ACL tear. And it seems like every year the Chargers, you know, they're one of the most injury-prone teams in the NFL. Every year they lose a key player, it seems like, to a major injury. Uh, they do have Quinton Johnston, the first-round pick who they drafted in this past uh, draft. Does he, does he just slide right into uh, Williams's spot? And, and do you think that he's ready to take on a much larger role now in this offense? Well, I will say that nobody can just slide into Mike Williams' position. I mean, when it comes to a deep threat and going up and making those 50-50 balls, 90-10 balls, the way that Mike Will can do – uh, it, it's very hard to fill those shoes. That said, that is why you're exactly right, Evan. That is exactly why Tom Telesco and the Chargers went out and they got the insurance policy known as Quentin Johnston from TCU. He's got the size. He's got the physicality. He's got that deep threat ability. He shined in training camp. He has not had a lot of catches. I want to say he's got like five catches for, you can't, I, I'm not sure, maybe 80 yards, something like that. But um, he, he hasn't really gotten a lot of snaps because Mike Will and, and Keenan Allen, who you know got you know 18 receptions last week, 
they've been kind of the go-to guys. And then you've got Josh Palmer, who's the number three as well, also a, a, an excellent route runner. So he hasn't really had a chance to get a lot of real game action, live action. You're going to see that increase, obviously, this weekend. You know, I, w- I was, I had, um, I talked to someone in the preseason during training camp, someone who covers the the Chargers, and we talked a lot about, you know, that big change that was made to bring in Kellen Moore uh, as the new offensive coordinator. And I, I know it's it's only three games into the season, very small sample size. Uh, but the returns seem to be pretty good right now. Uh, they've got the number two offense in, in, in terms of total yards. They're fifth in scoring right now. What, what can you tell us about some of the things that you have seen from the offense that you've liked and that you expect to carry over this week uh, into the game with the Raiders? When I interviewed all of the big stars on offense during preseason, none of them played, whether it be Mike Will, whether it be Keenan, Austin Eckler, Gerald Everett, all these guys, their faces lit up when I asked about Kellen Moore and this new offense. And you can tell they play with tempo. It's much different than it was last year. They switch up the tempo. They switch it up from first quarter to second quarter to wind down those defenses. It's creative. It's explosive. Kellen Moore keeps his cool. Keenan Allen says, I've never even seen him yell. I don't know if he's capable of yelling. <laughs> um, he is a very calm presence on that sideline. And he, he does get creative, you know, and you saw it last week with the lateral to Keenan throwing it down to Mike Will for six. And you're not seeing as many jet sweeps, which is, was a little troubling last season. I think a lot of fans were upset with, with those calls. And uh, you're, you're not seeing three guys run short routes. You're seeing a deep threat pose a threat every down. Yeah, good stuff there. Uh, definitely seems like they're off to a good start right now. I know that uh, Justin Herbert looks real good now as well, so I think the coach, Kellen Moore, is having a big uh, big role in that. Our guest this week on Just Pod Baby is Shannon uh, Farron, a Chargers sideline reporter. Now, when you jump over to the defensive side of the ball, it's a much different story for the Chargers. They're giving up just under 30 points a game right now, tons of yards through the air. Why do you think the defense has struggled this year specifically to stop teams through the air? Well, it's been a little bit of both, hasn't it? Uh, and we've got a full plate to deal with this week. When, it, when you look at Josh Jacobs and, and Devontae Adams, like I, I know that Josh Jacobs hasn't gotten rolling yet, but it's only a matter of time, and he always plays well against the Chargers. So those are going to be the matchups, right? The run defense against Jacobs, the pass D against Devontae. And I will say that it's hopeful what I saw last week in Minnesota, where this defense came alive after – Uh, the mess in in Nashville. When you look at what this defensive line was able to do, Sebastian Joseph Day came alive. Thule, uh, the rookie out of SC, he is a game wrecker, and he established himself last week. Uh, You watch the film on this guy, and it's insane. Just throwing tight ends out of the way to make the play, uh, getting to the quarterback uh, untouched, sometimes touched three times, still getting to the quarterback. He's going to be exciting to watch. Alohi Gilman, hopefully he gets healthy and the tackles he was able to lay on these guys. Derwin James, unfortunately, keeps getting called for lowering his shoulder, which he was successful in again last week. Joey Bosa got to the quarterback. You didn't really see much from him and Khalil the first two weeks. Uh, uh, Tua gets it out real quick. So week one, that was the reason for that. But the defense really came alive on all levels last week. So hopefully they'll be able to put together another game like that and have some consistency. I know that's what they're working towards. Uh, this week at the facility. Yeah, you mentioned uh, 
Thule, and I'm not going to try to pronounce that last name, so I, I'm sure to butcher it. So I'm just going to call him Thule. Um, he, he's one of the, the bright spots on the defense. Do they believe that they have, uh, you know, the makings of a future star here in him? Tui Pelotu, and you will know that name within, I would say, two weeks, and you'll have it down because you're going to be hearing it so much. (laughs) (laughs) I know my first preseason game, Evan, I was the same. I was walking around the sideline pregame saying that name over and over and over again, and I kept hearing it, and then suddenly it's a household name. So there you go. Uh, Like I said, he was incredible last week. He was a guy they brought in kind of as Khalil Mack successor right Khalil Max getting up there they need somebody they need some depth on edge and he was able to produce that and they expected him to contribute right away and he has done just that yeah I'm gonna be keeping a close eye out on him he was one of the guys that you know I had targeted for the Raiders actually to draft out of USC so not surprised to see he's doing some some good things early on in his career um you know I'm interested to get some of your your insight into what's going on with with JC Jackson it's a very strange situation you know he they signed him to a, a big time he was one of the marquee free agents just a couple of years ago had a really good season uh Prior to coming to the Chargers with the Patriots, signed that big money deal. Then he, you know, he got hurt, and and, and you know, I see there's like a warrant out for his arrest now. What, what, what can you tell us about what's going on with J.C. Jackson, and and what does the future hold for him with with the Chargers? J.C. Jackson is fine. I think the headlines are a little salacious at this point. Um, th- here's the thing: he he had a foot operation when he first came over from the Patriots. He had a great He had a great uh, relationship with Bill Belichick over there, had a great season, final season with the Patriots, came over, had a foot operation, some sort of non-essential but uh, elective procedure. And then he went, you know, he struggled. As you know, the Patriots, they they have a different language when it comes to the playbook. Uh, It's a completely different language than any other team. So there's going to be an adjustment period. And he came over and he had a few games and it, it wasn't the best outing you've seen from J.C. Jackson. And then he gets injured, and it's a very severe injury, something that he's never dealt with before. Um, and so he came back from that. The timetable was good and struggled a little bit in, in the beginning of this season. He had a PI call going into halftime um, against the Dolphins that essentially gave them uh, three points there right into the half in that critical middle eight, right, as Bill Belichick would call it. And that was dumb. And then all, and he'll be the first to tell you that was dumb. And then he uh, intercepted a ball in the end zone, ran it out to the three, puts Herbert back up against the end zone. There was ne- nearly a safety. I think it could have been called a safety. It was not um, when he when he was tackled there near the end zone. So he was the first person to say after that game, you know, I screwed up. Like that was dumb. I was just playing football. I wasn't thinking situational awareness, situational football. And I'm going to try and do, I'm going to do better on that. And I think that Brandon Staley, that was a huge loss for him. And then the, the Nashville loss was huge as well. And he wanted to maybe just send a lesson. Uh, and I don't know if JC Jackson's knee is completely healthy either. I don't know if it's a hundred percent there either. The warrant for his arrest was failing to appear for a speeding violation in, in, um, in New England there. And I'm not, I'm not making excuses for that. But it's kind of rare that you're seeing that in the body of the stories. It just says there's an arrest warrant out for him. And <laughs> it's not really getting into exactly what it is. Uh, so I, I don't know what the relationship's going to be there. Um, Coach Staley said he wants to see what his preparation is, what his practice is like, and that it's just kind of a day-to-day kind of thing, whether he's going to play or not. 
they're they're playing around with that secondary too, the combinations. Um, there's three three guys that they're trying to figure out who are who are going to play outside there. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what Daly decides and and what JC is able to bring to the table and try to rectify things. Okay, well, thank you for clearing that up for me because I was a little bit confused. I you know I, I see the articles popping up, but I haven't read all of them. So I'm glad you could uh, clear that up for us. And then before I get you out of here, I, I do just want to ask you uh, a little bit about the head coach. I mean. You know, I, I, we I, the, the listeners of this show and myself, we're not watching the, the Chargers on a week-to-week basis. So we, we hear about some of these things that he does, you know, like going for it on fourth and down, uh, fourth and one, I should say, uh, on his own 25-yard line like he did last week. Um, what do you, what is the, the players' reactions, um, if you, if you have some of that information, you know, do they, do they like the support that he gives the offense? I mean, do they feel like, he's putting the utmost confidence in them when he makes those types of decisions. What's kind of like the reaction from, from the players? Evan, you and I are fans. We sit there, we see them on their own 22 at fourth and one when they're up four points and you've got two minutes on the clock and you're like, why wouldn't you punt the ball? Right. Why wouldn't you have the Vikings who have struggled, go the length of the field to beat you by more than a field goal. However, you know, we're not in those meeting meetings rooms. We're not in either as any other fan, right? The, from the people in the know, they say based on the Chargers model and the analytics, that was absolutely the right move. Now, I still don't understand it, and I'm not going to pretend I do. <laughs> but uh, let me, sorry, I don't know go off there. Um, but uh, that that's what all the experts say, that that was the right call. And they ran away with the win. And that's all you're going to have to look at, you know, is that that was a win. And so second guessing it at this point is kind of a, a moot point. In terms of what the players say, I mean, find me a player that's going to uh, bad talk their coach. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, what I've been able to see is that he has had these guys buy into his his way of thinking. It's very important for Brandon Staley to explain why he's doing what he's doing when he's doing it, and, and for his coaching staff to let that that on to the players as well, so they understand not just why they're doing something, but the reason why. So I think probably time was spent on that as well this week, but nobody's really asking questions. You know, you're not seeing anybody talk to media and say, I don't know what that was, you know, and, and like I said, they came away with the W. Uh, the final one I have for you, um, you know, the charger chargers are off to the one and two start. I think they would probably prefer two and one or obviously three and oh. Um, I thought, you know, personally, I thought they were one of the better rosters on paper going into the season. Do you think that Staley is at all on the hot seat? Um, let's say they were to lose one or two more games here in the next couple of weeks. Um, do you think you might start hearing his name, you know, being mentioned, you know, at least through the national media of, of him potentially being on the hot seat? I think you've seen a lot of people talk about him being on the hot seat. And I think that that win over the Vikings was very important. I can't speak to what the organization believes or what they're thinking. I just, I'm not privy to that, but I will say they have to win this game against the Raiders. It would be inexcusable, no disrespect to your football team, but it would be inexcusable for the Chargers to lose this game at home against what we've been able to see from the Raiders thus far. All right. Well, Shannon, we, we thank you very much for uh, giving us some time uh, this week, and we appreciate all of your uh, insight there, your information that you have. 
And uh, we hope you enjoy the game on Sunday. Shannon Farron, everyone, the Chargers sideline reporter for the Chargers Radio Network. Have a great weekend there, Shannon, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to you sometime down the road. Thanks, Evan. Take care. All right, there she goes, Shannon uh, Farron. Sideline reporter. She's close to the team, right? It doesn't get any closer than that on the sidelines. So uh, we thank her for the time. I've got concerns for that Chargers team with all these injuries, right? I mean, this is an undermanned Chargers team right now. The Raiders need to take full advantage of this. Full advantage. It's going to be, it's going to feel like a home game for the Raiders. They may be without Bosa and Eckler. I don't think Lindsley's playing. I think he's been placed in the IR, actually, I'm seeing here now. So some of their top players, they lost Mike Williams last week. If there's a chance, if there was ever a chance for the Raiders to win this week, it's against this battered Chargers team. So the Raiders got to come out, play enthusiastic football with some intensity, with some purpose, and they have to come out and get a win here in L.A. All right, though, everybody, that is going to do it for the show this week. Uh, I appreciate all of you for tuning in again. Make sure you're subscribing to the show. Please go out there and subscribe to the new NFL Playbook Podcast, part of sportsnot.com. Check me out on Twitter at egrope5 for more information on that podcast. And I hope that everyone has a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Hopefully the Raiders can come out with a win, and we will be discussing it next week on the show. All right, guys, take care. And until the next time, just win, baby.